Today on November 1st, we will have a special guest preacher, Dr. Jay Strack. Dr. Strack is an effective communicator, author, and minister from Orlando, Florida. Remember, if you want to hear from Dr. Strack, you will have to set your clocks back one hour. If you would like any more information about our church offerings, please visit our website at apostles.org. The Word of God encourages us to pray and to worship and to draw near to God because He'll draw near to us. May God use this time to speak to you in a powerful way. Well, good morning, everybody. We are uh, so happy to be here with you this morning. And uh, praise the Lord. If you would, please stand up and join us. Worship. Just like 
From the start, let's ask God just to just begin to transform us by His grace from the inside out today. A thousand times I've failed, still your mercy remains. Should I stumble again? I'm caught in your grace, everlasting. Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond all fame. My heart and my soul, I give you control.
church. It's a privilege to come to the Lord uh, in a time of prayer, and so uh, let's do that now this morning together. From Psalm 97, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the many coastlands be glad, clouds and thick darkness are all around him, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. All worshipers of images are put to shame who make their boast in worthless idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are most high 
over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. O you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Father, we want to be those who love you. We are those who love you. And so this psalm calls us to hate evil. And so, Father, that evil that starts in us, that, that sin that resides in our hearts, and you've given us a way of uh, unloading that, and that way is through confession and repentance. And so, Father, we confess our sins as a group, as a congregation, as a body of believers. We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We have not loved you as we ought. We have not loved our neighbors as we ought. Father, may these things not just be words, but would they actually be the meditation of our hearts, that we do truly repent and are sorry for these things, that you have called us to a newness of life, that we have been redeemed through Christ our Savior, and that you are bringing about sanctification in our lives and through the sitting under the teaching of the word and through the dwelling together as believers of the body, we are holding one another accountable. We are growing in Christ's likeness together as a body. And so, Father, we ask that you would teach us, that you would grow us, that you would give us a hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we would continually be growing and chasing after you. Father, our world is uh, in quite a bit of darkness as has been from the beginning. And yet, as we've just read in this psalm, that you are the Lord God. You are the creator of this universe. And so, Father, our hearts are burdened for the persecution of your saints. Our hearts are burdened for the proliferation of wickedness in your world. But, Father, our hearts also rejoice at the work that you are doing across this world for the saving of souls, for the building up of the body across this, your world. Father, we give you great thanks and we rejoice in the work that you're doing in the equipping of saints, in the bringing of salvation to the eyes of so many. Father, would you build up your workers? Would you strengthen them for the task that you have set before them? Father, this country is also in turmoil. And with election season and cycle coming up, Lord, we can easily get caught up in sadness and, and uh, our argumentation. But Lord, as we've been studying in the past few weeks in Habakkuk, that uh, though trial and struggle come, yet you are God and yet we will praise you. For you are not finished with us and you are not finished with this place. And so, Father, as we've already prayed, that you would continue to build us up, that we would be your instruments of your grace, that we would go out proclaiming truth from our mouths and living righteous lives that you've called us to. 
that you would draw many to yourself. Father, we're grateful that Dr. Kendall could be with us this morning. We pray that you would give him a special anointing as he teaches us from your word. Father, that our, our minds would be able to comprehend that our spirits would be willing to receive the message, that our hearts would be broken for truth, that our hearts would be uplifted with the grace that you give. Father, speak through him this morning. We're so grateful that uh, you've equipped us with such great teachers, uh, even from afar. And so, Father, we are so grateful for this opportunity that we can gather together as your people under your word, under your authority, Come, Lord, come teach us. Come instruct us. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So ordinarily, we would now pass around the bags and give our offerings, but the circumstances of coronavirus, we will not be doing that. Uh, we'll be giving after the service up here. And um, so this next song we're going to play is uh, just always had a very... Um, powerful place in my life and I'm sure most of you it's just such a great song and it's just the gospel message you know plain and simple and um, I say plain and simple but of course it's unmatched in its power and truth and um, if you would please stand and join us now and uh, we're going to sing Jesus Jesus paid it all and uh, if you would just let's let the uh, truth of that gospel message just fill our hearts today Savior say that strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me that all in so Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Jesus died 
my soul to save my lips shall still repeat as Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow my sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow Yes, I go first, because last time I introduced Dr. Kendall, I didn't introduce Dr. Kendall, uh, because I thought, you know, he's quite familiar to a lot of us, to almost all of us, and uh, so I said, you go ahead and go up, and he came up, and then he said, what a wonderful introduction that was, thank you so much, and so I vowed never to make that mistake again as you make your way up, and I have a feeling you're going to say something, but... Um, Dr. Kendall, 25 years at Westminster Chapel and uh, have written over 50 books. 70. 70. Well, your bio is much out of date. Um, <clears throat> it's always a privilege to have you with us and to have Louise and Toby and TR with us. And there will be books in the resource, uh, no, in the, in the narthex. Do? If you don't take an offering, are we breaking the rules if we... Sell books. I wouldn't want to get you in trouble. So the offering will be out in the hallways afterwards. So that's oh. still available. Okay. And I expect a large check from you. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote, you, you left out some things. I did, I did. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Greatest theologian since Paul. Okay. Heard it here. Most humble man since Moses. Amazing. What greater introduction could you have? <laughs> Dr. Kendall... Thank you for being with us. You know. Michael and Elizabeth, Joshua, Jonathan, their family, 
They're like family. I pray for every one of them, your children every day. And I brought uh, Toby, our grandson, and Louise, Michael's greatest fan, and she had her 81st birthday yesterday. So Louise is, there we go. I'm thrilled to be back, honored to be associated with your church and leading the way. I'm on the European board, and I, I know of no ministry like it, none in the world, and I'm thrilled that I can have a part. And, and I've been praying for Jonathan intensely, more than ever. God bless you. You're tomorrow's man, but you're today's man as well. And I am not yesterday's man, I just look like it. <laughs> God isn't finished with me yet either. Well, now, a few months ago, about three months ago, my publisher phoned and said, do you have anything on your heart with regard to the present coronavirus crisis? Well, I said, as a matter of fact, I do. Well, what is it? When I told them, they said, how soon can you write that up? And in less than a month, it was finished. And uh, during that time, I was watching Fox News, and uh, Martha McCallum was interviewing the uh, Archbishop of New York, Cardinal uh, Timothy Dolan. And she said to him, where is God in all this? And he replied, God is right in the middle of it. And I said, I want to meet that man. It took a month to trace him down, and he read my book, and he's actually endorsed it. And um, I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, TR did bring some uh, to, uh, <laughs> we, we come here to get rid of them, sell them uh, for whatever. Anyway, but thank you, and thank you, Dr. Yusuf, for having me back. I want to read to you from Joshua chapter 3, beginning with verse 3. And so, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, in your eyes, God being carried by, by, the, by the, you know, I need my other glasses, I'm sorry. Um, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant by the Lord, do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Spirit to rest upon every mind in order that their perception of what I say will be heard, received as you intend. Cleanse my tongue that I will be your transparent instrument to say everything that needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. Help me to be clear, very, very simple. May this be a life-changing word and a word that brings great honor and glory to your name, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in the greatest crisis possibly in the history of the world. 
When I began to write the book, it was all about the coronavirus. But right after I started writing, I realized we have been dealt a double whammy. First, COVID-19, and second, the continual threat of violence in many cities, and that just began a few months ago. On May 25th, a date that could live in infamy, an African-American named George Floyd was brutally murdered by a Minneapolis policeman. Violence erupted all over America. Store windows were slashed. Business that took years to build up were lost overnight. Historic statues were torn down, and many people demanded the defunding of the police. The question is, where is God in all of this? Well, I was shocked to see that on Time Magazine cover, they introduced or featured a well-known British theologian who said, Christianity does not have an answer, nor should it. And then the opposite extreme, you, those who, forgive me, but have a theology one inch deep, say that the devil caused it because God would never allow anything like this. Well, people like that do not know the God of the Bible. Jonathan referred to Habakkuk in his prayer. You read in the Old Testament, God did bring calamity. God did judge. In fact, there was a famine in the land in David's rule, and he needed to know why. When there is a crisis, we should ask God. In Corinth, there were those who died, some sickly, some weak. And Paul says, I can tell you why. It's because of the way you have abused the Lord's Supper. And never doubt that there is a reason for what God does. Now, I take the view, indeed, that God is right in the middle of it. He's trying to get our attention, and it's a good sign. Now, the background is this. The children of Israel were getting ready to enter Canaan. There had been 40 years in the wilderness. That generation died. But now Joshua and Caleb leading the way. And Joshua says to them, keep your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. Just keep your eyes on the Ark because you have never been this way before. Well, now, the question that I put to you today is what we are seeing in the United States, judgment from God. One huge difference between God and, and Israel and God and America. God chose Israel. America chose God. And years ago, by the documents that founded America, we made it plain, we want you, God. And over the centuries, God has honored that. I think of that wonderful song, America, America, God shed his grace on thee. 
but things have begun to change. And so the question is, how are we to cope? And does the Bible have an answer? And the question is, are we under judgment? Yes. That is what is happening. Now, you will no doubt want to know this question. A judgment from God like this? Uh, is something like this caused or permitted? Or take the issue between what is predestined and what is permitted. How do we know the difference? Well, here's my answer. Something I learned from Martin Lloyd-Jones, my mentor. Moses saw the burning bush, and the bush did not consume. And Moses said, I am going to see what this is. And he rushed up to the burning bush. God said, stop. Don't come any closer. Take off your shoes. You are on holy ground. See, there are some things God does not want us to know the answer to. Moses wanted to know how a bush could be on fire and not consume. God said, just worship. And be willing not to know whether something is predestined or permitted. But at the same time, it becomes obvious. God has brought it. And the thing is, there's the chastening of the Lord. See, the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastened. The way he dealt with Israel, because he loved Israel. And the reason we're going through this is because we are loved of God. There are three kinds of chastening. Internal, external, terminal. Internal, the word, the teaching, the preaching of the word. When, that's plan A. If you listen to God's word, you will spare yourself so much sorrow. But then there's plan B, external chastening. When God steps in, as in Corinth, there were those who were sickly. There were those who were weak. And sadly, there's terminal chastening. John calls it the sin and the death. In Corinth, some died. God took them. When it comes to judgment, there are five kinds of judgment. First, retributive judgment. What is that? That's when God gets even. The eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Or when God punishes people by sending them to hell. He doesn't do that to make them better, to make them good. It's for the punishment of our sins. And it's called hell in the New Testament. There is gracious judgment, which is partly retributive, partly gracious. It's what happened to David. David sinned with Bathsheba and then tried to cover it up with murder. And God was angry. And God stepped in. But it was gracious judgment because the prophet said, you shall not die. And David came begging for mercy. And God gave him mercy. 
And so there's gracious judgment. And we know from the life of David, God wasn't finished with him yet. I have no idea whether anybody would need this word, but just maybe somebody here, you are undergoing gracious judgment. You've done that which displeased the Lord, but you called out to him and said, have mercy on me. Gracious judgment. And then there's what I call redemptive judgment. There was that generation where God sent poisonous snakes to the people. And they were being bitten and dying. And God told Moses to build a serpent of brass. And those who look at the serpent would be healed. Redemptive judgment. And in John chapter 3 verse 14, Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And the good news is, this is the way you are saved. Could it be there's someone here today, you do not know for sure, that if you were to die today, you would go to heaven. Good news. As Charles Spurgeon used to put it, there's life in a look. Just look to Jesus. Don't look to your good works. Don't think by turning over a leaf or being better, it's going to make a difference. No. Come to the place there's only one way, and that's to look to the cross and thank God for the shedding of the blood of Jesus. That is the way we are saved. There's a fourth kind of judgment, natural judgment. Simply put, you reap what you sow. And then there is what I call silent judgment. It's the worst kind. It's when God does nothing. Does it? He doesn't even say anything. He just steps in without notice. Are you aware that Sodom and Gomorrah had no warning in advance? God just went in and destroyed the cities with fire and brimstone. Silent judgment. Pray that that isn't with us. The worst thing is he does nothing. But it's my view. We are under gracious judgment. God is in the middle of it. It's because we chose him. And this is why all of us should cling to this. That we chose God. And for him to remember this. And have mercy upon us. Well now. There are four things. In my view that have brought about this judgment. There could be more, but here are four. One, racism. Two, legalized abortions for any reason. Three, same-sex marriage. Four, theological liberalism in pulpits. And God is fed up. He's angry. And as for racism, don't ever underestimate how Jesus feels the pain of black people. I'm a Southerner. Many of you are. And I plead guilty. I'm not sure that over the years I've bothered to consider how it is to be black. One comedian, famous comedian, was 
recently in Ghana. And he said, while in Ghana, I realized what it's like to be white. Because the first time, I didn't even think about the color of my skin. And I've got many black friends in America and in England. And if you get them to be honest, they'll tell you. They do not walk outside their door without the consciousness of the color of their skin. And worst of all, there have been white Christians who just don't worry about it, don't even think about it. I would urge you to be like Jesus. And black people who are saved, who've cried out to God. Listen, in James chapter 5, you had a similar situation. It wasn't black or white, it was rich and poor. There were poor Christians that were abused by wealthy Christians. And the poor Christians said, God, don't you notice? Don't you notice? And James said, your prayers have been heard by the Lord of hosts. And I would say to black Christians, you've cried out, your prayer has been heard in heaven. God has judged America. Legalized abortions. For any reason, that's what's happening. You see, the Bible is so clear. Life begins at conception. The fact that the Virgin Mary visited her cousin Elizabeth uh, just a day or so after she conceived, and the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb, and then she knew that the Son of God was already in the womb of Mary. That shows John the Baptist was a person in the womb. That shows Jesus, one day old, embryo was a person. It said David in Psalm 139, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. Since the 1973 Supreme Court decision, which allows abortion for any reason without penalty, opened the way for countless abortions in the United States. It is reckoned that 61 million babies have been murdered by abortion since then. 61 million, that's virtually the population of Britain, which is 65 million, or the total of the state of California and New York comes to 61 million murdered. And God is angry and has judged America. And then there is the contempt in our day for the creator God who made humankind Male and female. This is God's design, his idea. And the way, in part, we've shown contempt. Same-sex marriage. You see, God had an idea how the earth would be populated. Marriage between a man and a woman. And the whole world has recognized this. And do you not know that as recently as 10 years ago, America was against same-sex marriage. 
even President Obama was against it, and then in his second term, changed his mind, and so many Americans went with him. And now the shame has virtually disappeared, totally gone. Theological liberalism. In so many American pulpits, it is so sad. You see, this is why I'm saying today that God is trying to get our attention. But what about the theological liberalism? Simple teachings, like the virgin birth, uh, the eternality of the Son of God. These are truths that are essential to the Christian faith and now rejected almost entirely by most pulpits in America. The substitutionary death of Jesus on the cross, the teaching of eternal punishment have virtually perished from the earth. And God is fed up. America is being judged. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of Enfield, Connecticut, whether you've traveled there. I've been there four times, Louise and I, on purpose, just to go to a spot. There's a vacant lot in Enfield, across from a school that is well known, and I go to this spot to say, God, do it again. There's a stone embedded into the ground that says, on this site, July 8th, 1918, sorry, 1741, when Jonathan Edwards preached his sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. As he spoke, the Holy Spirit owned the sermon. There was never anything like it before or since. But as he spoke, people began to groan. And the bottom line of Jonathan Edwards' sermon was, it is by the mercy of God you are not in hell at this moment. He preached the same sermon a month later in Northampton, Massachusetts, and nothing happened. It, only sure God just did it once. To give to New England and to history a taste. The power of God came on the people. By the time Edwards finished, people were holding on to church pews to keep from falling into hell. People outside were holding on to tree trunks to keep from sliding into hell. Word went all over New England in days into England in weeks. And there have been historians who have shown, traced a direct line from the Great Awakening in New England to the Declaration of Independence. This is what God was doing. America was choosing God. But now it's a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. Well, as Christians, how are we to cope in this judgment? Well, that's why I wrote my book, We've Never Been This Way Before. The first thing is remember what God said through Joshua to the children of Israel. Keep your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. Just watch it. Don't take your eyes off the Ark. Because as Joshua knew, as God knew, they'd never been this way before. And that's where we are today. 
We've never been this way before. There's no precedent. There's nothing we can follow except you can go to Scripture. What Joshua said to the children of Israel, today the fulfillment of the ark is Jesus at the right hand of God. Hebrews 12, 2, keep your eyes on Jesus. And if you're wondering how to cope in these days, people somehow, they only want to get back to normal. When will it be normal again? When can we watch football? When can we watch baseball? Can we do things? I was in New York this past week. I stayed at a hotel in Times Square. I've been there many times before when, as you know, it's wall to wall with people all the way to midnight. And here we are, 8 o'clock in the evening. It was like death. Imagine New York City without tourists, only the people that live there. It was like death, the smell of death. And people just said, well, we want to get back to normal. What if the new normal is that it won't be normal? And God is trying to get our attention. What can we do in a time like this? We keep our eyes on Jesus. I would urge you to develop a sense of gratitude to God. God loves gratitude. He hates ingratitude. And the trouble, in part, with us today, we've forgotten to be thankful. The curse of our generation, entitlement. We feel that God owes us something. He does not. Gratitude will make the difference. Mayo Clinic came out with a statement just a few years ago. They weren't quoting the Bible. They weren't quoting Jesus. Statistically, they've shown that thankful people live longer. God loves gratitude. He wants you to thank him for everything. It also means a restoration of the fear of God. There's no fear of God in the nation. There's no fear of God in the church, speaking generally. And then what I would urge is that we develop what Joshua was trying to teach to the children of Israel. You may recall that when they entered into Canaan, uh, Joshua saw this awesome figure with a drawn sword. And Joshua said, are you for us or for our enemy? The answer he got was not what he wanted. He said, neither. I'm a commander of the armies of the Lord. Just take off your shoes. Joshua didn't get the answer he wanted, but he just had to worship. But what was it Joshua was being taught? I can tell you. They were getting ready now to conquer Jericho. And the walls of Jericho were tighter than a drum. How would they fall? Were they going to use ammunition? Were they going to use guns? No, they're told to march around the city seven times. They must have felt so odd and stupid. How did they feel? They're just marching around Jericho seven times. Then on the seventh day, seven times. And they think, what's going to happen? It goes back to the commander of the army. It's going to be an army. It's going to be angels. It's like in Elisha's day. There are more with us than be with them. And then when they just shouted at Joshua's command, the walls fell. Who did it? It wasn't Joshua's faith. God did it. He gets all the credit. 
I close. It is my view that all that is happening today will culminate in the greatest awakening. Our generation, our century, even what we've dreamed of. God is not doing this for nothing. He's behind it. He's in the middle of it. Our job, keep our eyes on Jesus. We may feel like fools when we bear the stigma. How silly, walking around the city of Jerusalem. What could be dumber than that? But that's what they were told to do. And so in our day, we uphold the gospel, that you're only saved by the blood of Jesus, and it's the stigma we bear. But God will step in. He's never too late. He's never too early. He's always just on time. I believe what is down the road. I hope it's soon. I'd like to see it in my day. I'm 85, and I'm counting on seeing it in my day. It's going to come suddenly in a way that no one expected, and God will get all the glory. May we pray. Heavenly Father, I ask you to take this word, apply this word by your Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's stand and let's give God all the glory right now. And this is a song of gratitude. Gratitude for what he's done, but also let's sing this in gratitude of what he will do in our life. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my tomb Till I
Storms made way for spring.